following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, brothers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Come on, brothers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown, good Lord, show me the way. Oh, fathers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, fathers, let's go down, down in the river to As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, mothers, let's go down. Come on down, don't you want to go down? Come on, mothers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sinners, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sinners, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown, good Lord, show me the way. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. My family, where I grew up as a child, was a a country farm, a country family. They were very careful about the important things of life, like integrity, hard work, self-reliance. Dad always said, nobody owes us anything, Ray. Nobody owes us anything. Well, in the morning, we would come together as a family and we would have family worship dad would open his big bible and he would read to us then we would get on our knees pardon me and we would pray the oldest first dad mother my oldest brother roger then don and then i was the little guy and i would pray last i remember There were a number of times my mother said to me kindly after we had prayed as a family, little boys should pray little prayers, Raymond, because I had held the family with a long, long prayer. Prayer was very important to me. In the evening, we would gather again as a family. We would talk about the day, and we would read the scriptures and then we would get on our knees as a family and we would pray the result was my life was guarded from many wicked things I never smoked I never 
drank. I never got drunk one time. I was safe from fornication. I was safe from the party life. I'd been raised in a very simple farm background, an agrarian background. I spent many hours with my brothers hoeing the garden out, swimming in the river. I remember one night we disobeyed and we rode our bikes to a carnival that had come to town and it was quite a bike ride to get there. We didn't ask permission and we were not allowed to go beyond the sound of the family car's horn, but we were way beyond that. The bright lights had attracted us and we made a pact among the three of us that we were going to go to the carnival. Well, we didn't watch, and darkness came, and we had no lights on our bike, and we were taking our last ride. We were kind of scared, wondering what kind of reception we'd get when we got home, and Dad pulled in in the family car. He came and got us. He said, get your bikes. Let's go home, and he stayed behind us with the car lights all the way home. And when we got home, he took us one by one into a bedroom and there used a strap to teach us not to go the way of the lights of the world. It was a thorough spanking and a thorough lesson. I didn't like it at the time, but it brought a real harvest of righteousness in my life. But I now must confess that when I left home at the age of 13 and was sent off to a boarding school, the people in the boarding school were very legalistic, but they were not serious Christians. And ambition began to flow into my heart. Other things, pride, defensiveness, Things my dad would not have ever tolerated had he known. But in the atmosphere where there was no responsible adult to look over and watch out for my spiritual growth, these things like bad weeds sprang up in my life. Now I'm going to talk with you this week about life in the Spirit. How I wish someone would have told me these things, would have helped me understand them as a young man. It's taken me many years and much discipline from the Holy Spirit to begin to even even begin to enter into life in the Spirit. So I'm going to share with you some deep things of the Spirit, but in truth they're very elementary. But for people like myself, pardon me, for people like me who who wanted to serve Jesus, pardon me, I'm having a hard time with my voice. All right, I'm back. For people like me who desired very much to serve Jesus, these poison roots caused much trouble in my life and led me into much sin. Oh, not the the gross sins, but sins just as gross. Pride, self-sufficiency, worldliness. So I want to talk to you about things of the Spirit. Before we do that, I want to ask the Holy Spirit to come, for he must be your teacher. If you're interested in the deep things of the Spirit, then listen to this whole broadcast. Don't cast it off because you've arrived at your destination and now you have to go in and buy a loaf of bread or a a bottle of milk. Come on. This is about your eternal salvation. And I know how easy it is riding in the car, listening to somebody, just to blow it off. 
Well, okay, I can hear something next time. No, you can't hear this everywhere. You may not be able to hear this anywhere else. So pull over to the side of the road, pull in a parking lot, take out your notes, take out a Bible if you have one. If you don't, you should. And listen today. Listen carefully. I want to share with you what the Spirit of God has taught me and what he quickened this morning in the prayer closet as I prayed about you. And I asked him, what is your need today that I should meet on this broadcast? And he answered, life in the Spirit. That came to me very quickly. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, you said to talk about life in the Spirit. But I'm incapable of doing that if your Holy Spirit does not come and open the hearts and minds of these precious men and women that they could hear and understand, that they could let go of everything of the flesh and hear the word for the Spirit. Lord, thank you. And I pray that you will give me the ability, that you will give me the words, the words of of life. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now I want to go with you to Romans, the 8th chapter. I'm going to begin at verse 1. And we're just going to walk through Romans 8. We'll take as much time as we need to to walk through this this book of Romans 8. Therefore, no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus. And some manuscripts have added to that, or it's accurately from the scriptures, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So there's no condemnation for those who walk in the Spirit. But there is condemnation for those who walk in the flesh. It says, the spirit of the law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now all of us have grown up under the sin, the law of sin and death. And as we get older, we recognize that there's a 100% mortality rate this body that you live in, that I live in, it is a body of death. There is no way God can save this body that I dwell in. This body is a body of death. And now I must make a transition from this body of death to the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to learn in this eighth chapter of Romans that God will come and he will temporarily give life to this physical body as we walk in Jesus. I'm very cognizant of the fact that I am walking in the Spirit. And the Spirit of God has quickened my physical body and given me what he promised many years ago. He said, I will renew your strength and you will soar like the eagle. I am physically experiencing that in my physical body. But I make no mistake about the fact 
that this physical body is a body of death. And that when I reach heaven, I will not dwell in this physical body, but I will have a new body. I will have an immortal body that cannot die. There will be no seed of decomposition. There will be no seed of entropy in that heavenly body. There is in this body. So I want you to watch carefully. He says in verse 3, what the law could not do since it was limited by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in flesh like ours under sin, under its dominion, and as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, I want you to see something. Be very aware, be cognizant of this as we walk through this study. We are called now into Christ Jesus, and we are called now to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Now you understand the flesh is comprised of good and evil. So many of you have walked in good thinking you were saved, but in fact you have not been walking in the spirit you have been walking in the good of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil when you walk in the knowledge of the tree of good the holy spirit is limited in what he can say to you and then you are forced because you continue to walk in sin you are forced to live by principles. And so those churches and those pastors that teach the Reformed non-gospel, they will teach you that you must always continue walking in sin, and they will use Romans 7, totally misinterpreting the Word of God as justification for always walking in sin. The problem is, a man or woman who continues to walk in sin, but claims they are saved, are simply walking in the tree of the knowledge of good. So they look good, they sound good, but there's a fatal flaw. They're living by principles. And so many of these churches hold regular seminars on how to walk the Christian life. And they give you all of these rules and understandings and strategies for successful living. And then they tell you, if you will try hard and you will do this, it won't earn salvation for you, but it will bring you into fellowship with God. They are mistaken. Living by principles will never bring you into fellowship with God. The only thing that can bring you into fellowship with God is crucifixion, death, and resurrection, walking in the Spirit by the blood. You cannot walk in resurrection power when you are eating from the tree of the knowledge of good, even though it's the knowledge of the tree of good being taught at your church. You must walk in the tree of life, not the tree of the knowledge of good. When you walk in the Spirit, you are walking in the tree of life. Now, I know you're not catching it yet, and I understand, 
but pray and ask for understanding of the words that I speak and of the scriptures I give you. This is something that isn't so much taught as caught. This is something the Holy Spirit has to come and give you. The work of salvation is a supernatural act of God. It is a supernatural act of God to move you out of the flesh and into the Spirit. A professor of mine, his mother was pregnant with him, and she went to a series of evangelistic meetings. And she'd always tried to live a good life, but she was always failing. And she'd always heard, you're saved anyway, don't worry about it. But she couldn't accept that. She knew, she knew something was missing in her life. And this woman sat and listened to this preacher talk about life in the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit And all she could do was sit there and weep. The pastor came to her afterward and he said, Sister, I see you weeping every night as I'm preaching about the Spirit. What is your weeping about? How can I pray for you? And she said, Oh, Pastor, I've tried so hard to be good. And they keep telling me, don't worry about it. You're saved even though you sin. She said, Pastor, I know that's a lie. But I don't know how to get out of my flesh. And you keep talking about life in the Spirit. She said, I don't know how to do this. And the pastor said, pray. Ask Jesus to teach you how to walk in the Spirit. And you come back tomorrow night. And you be faithful and you wait on the Holy Spirit. She cried out and she said, But pastor, I know I'm not saved. I can't convince myself that I'm saved. I have lived all of my life as a Christian. But I know in my heart I'm not saved. I know I've done everything I'm supposed to do, but I couldn't do it all. I tried, but I couldn't. I still lost my temper at my son. Sometimes I'm not a very good wife, she said. Sometimes I get really mad at my husband. I know there is something in me that is evil and wicked. And I know I'm not saved. pastor said just pray ask Jesus to show you well the next night she was sitting in the meeting and as usual as soon as the pastor started to preach she started to cry only this night she was wailing she wasn't just tearing up she was wailing so much so the preacher had to stop preaching He went down and he prayed for her. (laughs) Suddenly she lifted up her face to heaven. I've got it, I've got it. The Holy Spirit has come in. I'm saved. And the whole church just exploded in joy. Because this sister was rejoicing. She got up and was dancing in the aisle. Now, please, this was a very somber sister. She was dressed in dark clothing, as was the custom in that day for sober women. She got up and was dancing in the church. She'd never done that in her life. She was shouting and dancing, I got it, I got it, I'm saved. Jesus, save me. And the pastor reported that she was saved. 
and this old professor who was telling me this story of his mama. He said to me from the time I was an infant, my mama said, Jesus, save me from my sin. And now Jesus is going to have to save you from your sin. And he said, as a little child, I began to search for Jesus with all of my heart. Tears started running down his old face. And I said to him, Pastor, it's obvious to all of us who know you that you know Jesus. I left his office very somber and very sober because I knew I didn't know Jesus. And I knew there had to be a change in my life or I would not be saved. And for many years as a pastor, I didn't know Jesus. Oh, if you'd said, Pastor, are you saved? I would have said, of course I'm saved. I've repented of my sins. Of course I'm saved. What are you talking about? But I knew in my gut I was not saved. Are you saved? Or are you still walking in your sin? Are you still walking in your flesh? Now I know today by the Spirit that many of you have been working as hard as you can on getting rid of sin and getting clean but do you understand you don't get rid of sin by working hard getting rid of sin is a supernatural work of God it's a transition from the flesh to the spirit And I want you to hear verse 3 what the law could not do since it was limited by the flesh. God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son. What did God do when he came and died on Calvary? He did not condemn you. He condemned sin. He was a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, think about the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit about the things of the Spirit. Now I'm going to tell you where all of this started. As I was going to bed last night, and then all through the night, I would stir and immediately my mind would return to this issue. And then when I got up, it was right there at the forefront of my mind, and I went into the prayer closet, and the Lord met me. And I began to think about, very logically, very analytically, what is this talking about? What does it mean? I've read this so many times, but I've never stopped before and said, okay, Let's break this down. What exactly is it talking about? What are the things of the flesh that I can think about that will block me from the things of the Spirit? And I began to enumerate all of the things in my life good things that were of the flesh 
that led me away from the Spirit. And the first thing I had to come up with was the things I enjoy for entertainment in the past. I no longer enjoy them, but I did very much at one time. I used to regularly want to go to the movie house, to the theaters. I didn't care if it was a a theater that had a movie or if it was the theater down at the Kennedy Center. I loved the operas. I loved the, the music. I loved the drama. I loved the tragedies of the opera. And I began to recognize... Yes, those things began to be the focal point of my interest. Looking up when it would be on at the Kennedy Center and securing the seats and and going down and finding it, going to the theater. I frankly also loved going to the National Geographic they would have their movies and their travel logs, and I just began to be absorbed going to Constitution Hall for every new episode from National Geographic. Was there anything wrong with National Geographic going to their wonderful travel logs? No. It's the tree of the knowledge of good. The Spirit of God didn't lead me to that entertainment. It diverted my attention and my time from recognizing the crisis, the crisis of not walking in the Spirit, of being unable to pray for the lost. Now, I also like to go to the action movies. The violence of the action movies seared my heart. I also loved the television. I love visual entertainment. I've had to totally let go of all of that because while it might be good on the tree of the knowledge of good, it was in the flesh and not in the spirit. Now, I can take any good thing and be absorbed by it. I could really get into kayaking, buy a very expensive kayak, get all the gear, spend my mornings kayaking, looking at nature and enjoying the the rhythmic rowing, paddling, But if that absorbs my time and energy, and if that absorbs the best thoughts, and it takes me away from the Spirit of God, then I am living in a fantasy world, and I am not living in the the presence of the Holy Spirit, who sees a grave crisis coming upon this nation who sees men and women turning in utter disregard for the things of God and enjoying everything in the world. It's like there's a great smorgasbord laid out before me. I can go to the biking. I can go to the coffee. I can go to collecting things. I can go to making money. I can go to all kinds of things in the world and the flesh, and that will become the primary focus of my life. I mean, I love biking. But then you have to buy the pants for the biking, and you have to buy the helmet, and you have to buy the new shirts, and you have to buy the right water bottle, and you have to take your tours, and then you want to go with other groups as they take their group tours. And so now I want to go to Indiana, where there's a wonderful... 50 mile or 100 mile or 200 mile ride and I'm going to go with everybody else and we're going to have a wonderful time and now that's my vacation I can become absorbed 
in so many different things. I can even be absorbed in bird watching. Please understand me. I'm not talking about bad. I'm talking about the tree of the knowledge of good that causes me to see my reality as doing good things that walk in the flesh and not in the Spirit of God. Now, please understand me. I'm not making a list of do's and don'ts here. I'm saying there is the reality of walking in the actual presence of the Holy Spirit and remaining in the presence of the Holy Spirit in everything I do. Now, in the presence of the Spirit, I could also be led to go bird watching or kayaking or biking because those are very wonderful gifts given by God to recreate my body and bring rest to my body. It's not that they're bad. It's that they can absorb us and consume our time, energy, and money and become the central focus of an addictive lifestyle so that we walk in our pleasure and not in the spirit of the living God. You can work so hard in the flesh that that becomes your life. People say to me, Pastor, I'm sorry, I have to work Sunday. I can't can't come to church. That's like saying, Abraham, Pharaoh, this is my sister. And we're throwing away now the very object that God wishes to use to bring us the answer to the promises he's made to us. So to take care of ourselves, we give away our wife. To take care of ourselves, we give away the church. And we have a very low opinion of the church because it's barren. It's not producing any money for us. It's not producing profitability. So the church just takes from me. I just have to give tithes and offerings. I'm not getting anything out of the church. But don't you understand? The church is the very thing God desires to use to become his bride. And separate from the church, you can't be a part of the bride of Jesus Christ. Salvation is found in the church. Now, for some of you, the church is not the bride of Christ. It's the apostate bride of Christ, and you have to recognize that and get out of it. Please, don't just turn me off. Try to hear what I'm saying. I'm trying to talk about, and I'm I'm sorry, I apologize. I don't know how to talk about it very well. I'm trying to say there is a walking in the Spirit described in Romans, the 8th chapter. Romans 7 has been made the norm of the Christian life in America. That is being dishonest with the Word of God. Romans 8 describes the normal life of the Christian. A person who walks in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Remember, flesh is not always evil. Flesh is of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Christ came and he offered himself as a sacrifice so that he could condemn sin, not you, so that the requirements of the law would be accomplished in us who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What is the job of the Holy Spirit? The job of the Holy Spirit is to reveal to us Jesus Christ. We know more about Jesus than we do about the Holy Spirit, even though the Holy Spirit has been here now for 2,000 years from Pentecost. 
Jesus was here only for three and a half years. But we know more about Jesus than the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus to us, not himself. So this is something you have to catch. It's hard to learn. Do you understand that a man or woman who walks in the Spirit is absorbed by the smorgasbord of Jesus Christ? All the secrets of knowledge reside in Jesus Christ. He is the one who created the heavens and the earth. Jesus is the one who created the heavens and the earth. He is the one who keeps the earth in place. You can't separate Jesus from science. We now know that the earth is a giant motor. Well, who created the motor? Jesus did. Who does the maintenance on the motor? Jesus does. He's not some illiterate fisherman from Galilee. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the majesty of heaven. He came to earth and sacrificed himself on this motor that he created where he placed you and me. And everyone on this earth is condemned to die. And given enough years, you will die. And the only way you will go into eternity with Jesus is if you now make the transition from walking in the flesh to walking in the spirit of the living God. You will not be resurrected into eternal life unless the spirit of God dwells in you and you have been made into a new creature in Christ Jesus. And so as you walk, if the focus of your life is money, ambition, if the focus of your life is entertainment, if you get your joy out of watching the television and sports, if you get your joy out of accomplishments, if you get your joy out of being the man or the woman, you're walking in the flesh, and when you die, you're finished. And you go to hell. That's pretty sobering to me. It is of absolute vital importance that you learn how to walk by faith, pray the, pray the prayer of faith, and walk in the Spirit, or you will not be resurrected at the end of time. This is something that must take place now in your life. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh, this is Romans 8, verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh, think about the things of the flesh. Well, what are the things of the flesh? Pride, arrogance, haughtiness, anger, bitterness, lying, cheating, stealing, Fornication, pornography, bitterness of heart, accusations, judgments, survival of the fittest. All of these things are, are of the flesh. The things of the Spirit are love and joy and peace, long-suffering, humbleness of heart, trust, Trust in Jesus, love for others. That's what the Spirit of God is about. If you're yelling and screaming at your wife or your husband or your kids, you're walking in the flesh. If you're angry at your boss and trying to find some way to get even, and you're not functioning as a servant at work, you're walking in the flesh. If you're spending your time 
caught up in the romance novels. One woman, I would visit her along with others in the nursing home. And this woman was in her 80s. And she always had a stack of romance novels beside her bed. My grandpa, when he was dying of MS, I would go visit him and he would have a stack of of mystery novels beside his bed. Five or six. And he was buzzing through them. Grandma would bring him another stack from the library of, of mystery novels. Detective stories. And when he wasn't reading his detective stories as he was bedridden at that point, paralyzed on one side, he'd be watching the television, the police movies, the the dramas. I wasn't old enough to talk to my grandpa about it, but I would speak with this woman that I would go minister to, and I would say to her, Were you married? Oh, yes, I had a wonderful marriage. Did you have a family? Oh, yes, I had three wonderful children. I would say to her, Then what are you getting out of these romance novels that you didn't get from your husband? What are you hungry for? And a dark look would pass over her face, and she'd say, I don't want to talk about it. And I'd say to her, Ma'am, do these romance novels stand between you and Jesus? I don't want to talk about it. Oh. Okay. What shall we talk about today? And she'd bring up some inane topic that she wanted to talk with me about. Usually it was about her treatment in the nursing home, how bad the food was, or some other complaint. There was no way I could speak with her about her addiction to the romance novels. She said she was a Christian, but frankly, her Bible lay unopened on her nightstand. I never once went to see her when she was reading her Bible. It was always a paperback romance novel. Some of you are addicted to your romance novels and some of you are addicted to your to your other novels. You know what the word novel means? <laughs> a lie. That's what the word novel actually means. It means a lie. So you feast on lies. Oh, but they're good lies, Pastor. It teaches me wonderful lessons. Well, so does the tree of the knowledge of good teach you wonderful lessons. Oh, but Pastor, I love the History Channel. Nothing wrong with that, is there, Pastor? Yeah, drive as close to the edge of the precipice as you can. And when you fall off, I'll do your funeral. And what shall I say to them? Shall I say that you spent your time watching the historical events of the past and enjoying all the entertainment of the History Channel? Or shall I tell them that you were hungry for Jesus and walked in the Spirit and had a powerful ministry to those around you and you died with a a great shout of victory as you were met by the angels? What shall I report about you when I do your funeral? What shall I report about you when I do your funeral? Oh, you don't want me to do your funeral? I understand. Do you understand? This body that you live in is destined to die. And if you walk in the flesh of this body, 
even in the tree of the knowledge of good, you will die. The only way you can be resurrected, and we'll get into this this week out of Romans 8. Read it carefully. We're going to deal with it. The only way you can be resurrected in this next life is if you are now walking in the Spirit constantly day by day and you are not walking in the darkness you are not walking in the flesh you are not walking in the things the flesh will lust after from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil what i want for you what i pray for you is that you will do what that old song says. (laughs) Go down to the river to pray. You know, that song is talking about a washing, a cleansing, a renewed life in Jesus. That's what I want for you. Now, please pardon me if what I teach you about sin and what I teach about the gospel is offensive to you. I'm not trying to be offensive, but I can tell you right now that anything of the Spirit is offensive to the flesh. So anything I come and truly teach you about the true gospel of Jesus Christ is going to offend you if you walk in the flesh. It will cut against you. The arrows of the Holy Spirit will come and pierce you. And then you have to make a decision. Am I going to continue to walk in the flesh, in the deadness of the flesh, in the discouragement and despair of the flesh? Or will I rise up and walk in the spirit of the living God and leave the flesh alone? Now, please, read carefully Romans 8. Tomorrow, I'm going to pick up right here. Be here with me. Pray. Reach out to the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person listening. I pray that your spirit will come, convict, change, transform. I pray that you will bring my brother and sister into the spirit of the living God. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Come visit us. I love you, my brother and my sister. I'll talk to you soon. With great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.